Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Welcome. And I can't tell you how happy I am to see real people. I said this to the guides last week when I spoke about this display briefly, and I just it makes a world of difference to be able to communicate about these beautiful works of art in person in the space, doesn't it? So let's keep up the good work. So I'm going to be talking about the display here in Gallery 7, Converging Currents, Spark Painting from Arnhem Land. But before I do go any further, we are standing on Ghana country, Agsa Ghana Yatanga Yuwandi, and I'd like to pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. So, Converging Currents, Bark Painting from Arnhem Land. It's a collection display which opened a few weeks ago on September the 4th. And as the title suggests, it is a bark painting display. In fact, there's just over 30 bark paintings. I have been sneaky and I have included some sculptures that you'll see here, the Lorcon and the Yiriki, the Lorcon being the hollow log funerary poles and the Yiriki being the didgeridoo. As the name suggests, the display does traverse across Arnhem Land, from northeast Arnhem Land through to western parts of Arnhem Land, right through to the sort of southern tip of Arnhem Land. And maybe today what I'll do is I'll talk about the curatorial rationale around this display, and then maybe I'll just pick a few works that we can look at and I can tell you about. But the curatorial rationale really does stem from this idea that Throughout Aboriginal societies, the sharing of really important cultural information occurs through the act of making. Not only is that the sharing of that cultural information, but also the protecting of very important information. And so in these paintings across Arnhem Land, you'll see a varying you'll see the work of a number of different generations. And I've hung the works within intergenerational pairings to really show how this creative expression in sharing of information is shared across generations. So in some points, in some of these groupings, there will be creative expression that spans up to 70 years. So in fact, the way I've also curated this display, I've tried to respond to the geographical locations of the artists working in Arnhem Land, but also the geographical location here in Gallery 7. So on the north and northeast wall, you'll have the work of the Yongu artists from northeast Arnhem Land, and here to the west, we'll have the work of the Gunagu artists from Western Arnhem Land. And here to the south, we move further across, as I said, the sort of southern tip of Western Arnhem Land and Central Arnhem Land. So the display came to me last year when the gallery was really fortunate to acquire about 26 bark paintings and one larrakitch. And that Lara Kitch is on display currently in Gallery 1. But this group of bark paintings that came in last year really 
opened up our collection and showed that there was a gap in some of the representations of genealogies within the artists in our collection. And out of that group, there's about six of those works on display. And I wish I could have put all 26 of those Bart paintings on display, but until we get more space, fingers crossed, I couldn't do that. However, these works were really integral in planting the seed for me to put this display together. Also on top of that, there was that selfish desire to also put on display those wonderful bark paintings by Nongana Marawili. So that beautiful black and magenta bark painting and the other one to the right-hand side titled Lightning, which you all might be familiar with. They were last exhibited in Tarnandi 2020 and Tarnandi 2017. So, when I was putting this display together, keeping in mind those new acquisitions, I started to really look within our collection and perhaps COVID helped with that because we were able to really delve into the collection and bring out works that we hadn't done so for a long time. And for the many of you who heard Lisa Slade talk about her display last week, Chromatopia, her display started all from that beautiful Laura Knight harvest painting. So the same way that work planted the seed for Lisa, these new acquisitions also planted the seed for me, but also some of the oldest works within the gallery's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander collection. And those include some of those really beautiful early barks that were collected by Charles P. Mountford as part of his Azeal expedition across Arnhem Land in 1948. So, perhaps I might talk about, um, you know, bark painting. What is bark painting? Well, we know that the earliest forms of creative expression across Arnhem Land found, were found on the bark shelters, on rock painting, on body paint, and also on the funerary logs, the Lorcon or Lara Kitch. And so looking at the earth pigments that have been dated from these rock shelters, we know this creative expression is at least 50,000 years old. And the earliest collected bark shelters were approximately in the late 1700s. And although the bark painting really has been collected since the 1900s, we do know that as an artistic expression, it is probably much longer than we think. So bark painting is usually done using the bark from a stringy bark tree or a eucalyptus tetradonta. It is harvested during the wet season and then it is flattened and shaped over a fire and the painting over on the surface of the bark is then done with a natural pigment which is sourced off country and each pigment is unique to each location on country. So in terms of what people paint or what artists paint, as I mentioned, it is something that has been passed down through generations. And within the Arnhem Land universe, there are two moities, the Dua and the Yiricha. And the universe is divided into those two moities. 
The moatis are passed down through the father's side. So if your father is Dua, then you are born Dua, and your mother will be Yiricha. These dualities, these moatis are very important because what they do is they become really complementary to each other. While artists will paint both their father and mother's stories, they inherit and own their father's stories. However, they are custodial managers to their mother's stories. Likewise, the act of sharing information often happens through the father's side or through a senior male relative. So in terms of looking at perhaps some of the works on display here in the space, I think I'd like to maybe look at Nongana's work. As I said, I was quite selfish wanting to put her works on display. But as I mentioned before, out of the group of the 26 new works that entered the gallery's collection last year, you'll see two small bark paintings on the left, and then the smaller bark painting on the right, so flanking the works of Nongana Marawili. Nongana Marawili is a senior woman working in Yakala in northeast Arnhem Land. She is over 80 years old. And she started to paint. Well, actually, I should say that she, her father was a very influential man as part of the Madapa clan. And he unfortunately passed away before he could share the really important stories to her. And she began her career as a printmaker before she started painting with her husband, Juta Juta Munungur. And that bark painting to the right of Nongana's painting is a bark painting by her husband, Juta Juta. So together they would paint on bark and they would paint his family's stories. And when their children were born, in particular her two daughters, Manyala and Rekoana, would paint the father's story, so Juta Juta's. All the while, Nongana would continue to develop her own style of painting. And what becomes really unique in these monumental bark paintings is she admits there is no specific story, whether it's Dua or Yiricha, but there are the beautiful designs, or Minchi, as referred to by the Yongu people. You do see in her line work, her two moatis coming together. Now, to the other side of Nongana is the beautiful masterpiece by Jambawa Marawili. And you may have seen this work in last year's Tarnandi as part of a display called Gurutu. And in that, in that beautiful monumental bark painting, the largest one here in the space, he paints Baru, the ancestral crocodile, right at the bottom. And at the top, he paints the dugong. And to the side of that painting are the works of his father, Wakuri Marawili. And you'll see at the top is the dugong, and on the bottom bark painting are the two Baru crocodiles. So Jambawa is also the brother of Nongana Marawili. And as I mentioned, this display shows those intergenerational links that occur. So I encourage you, after perhaps my talk, to go look at the Minchi, the designs, 
and look how they all relate to each other. Now, quite interestingly, the Baru, the ancestral crocodile, is a Yiddish story. However, he does connect with the works of the Unipingu family. Now, on that eastern wall, there's a very large bark painting, and that's by Nyapa Nyapa Unipingu. And to the left is a work by Gullambu Unipingu, her sister. And on the top right, next to Gullambu's work, is a work by their father, Mongaruoi Unipingu. The sea and the sky. Although I mentioned that Baru is a Yiricha story, it ties in with the Gumanchi family, who are the, the clan that the Unipingu family belong to. And in these beautiful paintings, you see this connection to not only the sky and the sea. In Gallambu's painting, you see the celestial realm, the realm that connects us all. And perhaps I think also what's interesting to note is that Mongoroi Unipingu was one of the leaders of the Gumanch um, clan. And he himself was really um, an important um, leader who was integral in fighting for Aboriginal rights. Um, he was part of the Yakala panels. And his bark painting is one of those early works that came into the gallery's collection in 1955, which really did begin our collecting of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander art here. So, what I might say before moving on to another language group is that for the Yongu people, the Minchi, these designs, they are passed down through the father's side. And yes, the sharing of information such as Baru, the ancestral crocodile, occurs. But also looking at the paintings, you are able to tell the relationship of the artist to their clan, but also the identity of the artist. Whereas if we look to the works on the western wall here of the Guningu people, the work of these artists is slightly different. While the sharing of the information does occur, again, through the father, the artists can also amass information from other senior members of community. And in terms of this wall, I really based every work on the relationship that each artist had with one artist, and that was Yirrawalla. And this is the small little work here, small but powerful. And Yirrawalla was a very important artist, a Gunigu artist who, as one of the elders, all the works here echo his teachings. And as a young man, Yirrawalla was taught how to paint by, um, by his father and by looking at the works that he saw on rock paintings, on rock. And so Yirrawalla, he travelled across Western Arnhem Land and was fortunate enough to be taught a number of different stories from different locations. 
What is important to note here was that he was still taught those stories within a very strict cultural protocol. And subsequently, Yirrawalla went on to share his knowledge and his style of painting with other artists, such as Peter Marawanga, whose beautiful Yangana work is flanking him, and then onwards to his nephew, Jimmy Nyuma his son, Ivan Namariki, and then John Mwanjal, who you'll all be really familiar with, which is the work, the last work on that wall. And then we all know what influence John Mwanjal has had. We had that fabulous exhibition here at the Art Gallery of South Australia. And John Mwanjal has gone on to share that information that he's learnt from Yirrawalla and made his own onto his sons and his daughters and onto the work of his wife Kay. And this beautiful proposed acquisition, yet not entered into the gallery's collection, of the saltwater crocodile to the left of that painting by John Mwanjal. So in terms of the work of the Gunigu people of Western Arnhem Land, Yirrawalla's influence is really undeniable and out of the artistic schools that occur within the Gunwinku country, there is another name that kept popping up and that also was the name of Lofty Badio Namajeric, which is this little bark painting here on black background and it's titled Dead Man. And this is the other artistic school of Gunwinku artists in Western Arnhem Land, which I won't go into today, but all those works there have a relationship to Lofty. And to the left is a new acquisition by his son-in-law who was taught by Lofty before he passed away. So I think maybe I'll close here. However, What's really, I think, powerful for me in this display is how each one of these paintings resonates with their own sort of individuality. And, you know, if you have the time to look at these works, I do encourage you to perhaps even start with a work like Yirrawalla and look at the way that he's mastered the rock or the cross hatching and look how that then develops for artists such as John Mwanjal, who really pushes that rock right across the bark. And then if you're looking at lofties, look at that single rock. So rather than a cross hatching, that individual line that really does um, mimic what he would have seen as a young man on the rock walls. And then when looking at the Yongu artists, looking at those tight diamond minchi patterns and so forth. But there's this beautiful quote that I included in the wall text, and it's in the words of the artist Ivan Namariki, who is the son of Peter Marawanga, and he notes, we didn't create this culture recently. It lies in the ground. It lies in the earth, but we are bringing it out. We bring it out and painted it on bark where we can see it. Thank you. I think my eyesight wasn't too bad there. But thank you all for joining me. So lovely to see so many faces, real-time faces. Thank you, Karina, for the signing today. <laughs> thank you. Natalia.